and thank you for listening to Let the Right Films In, your podcast on the IMDb's top 250 movies. I am your host, surprise, Snakes, Tyler Hannon. <laughs> With me today is Chekhov's Whistle, Kayla St. Hey. And our special guest today, it is our, his first time with us, it's Paul Dano's scalding hot body, Patrick Haynes. Hey guys. How's it going? Pretty good. Glad we were able to get you out of that shower, you know, hopefully you're able to cool down <laughs> a little bit. The, the blisters are still pretty rough, but other than that, it's going okay. I think we have like a salve for that. We might be able to help you out. <laughs> okay, thanks. I would appreciate it. But yeah, thanks for coming on to the podcast. This is Absolutely. your first time with us. It's very exciting. Thanks for having this, me. Yeah, this is also the first time we have a guest who's not like directly somebody's like best friend. So that's exciting too. <laughs> right? But it also yeah. makes us look much more amateur. <laughs> it's our 15th episode of the podcast. Yay! Official episode, not counting bonus episodes. It's pretty awesome. And... I, th- I believe you're our first, well, no, you're our second guest with a podcast, but uh, yeah, tell us a bit about your podcast up top. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's called Sorry Internet. Um, it's a podcast that's run by Thomas Nassif, who is on Absolute Punk, or was on Absolute Punk, and uh, does the, the Encore person. podcast with Jason Tate from that. Um, he used to be my roommate, and we... Uh, just kind of talk about college football and stuff with our other friend Andy um and yeah it's uh his idea is basically that it'll be a like podcast quote-unquote network with a bunch of like podcasts within it and he catalogs them like you would a record label because he runs a record label and ours is the CFB college football podcast and we talk about basically all of the games from the previous weeks and um all of the upcoming games and it gets real sports nerdy and stuff like that wonderful we'll put a link to that in the post and share it yeah. with everyone i have a couple of them saved up i would listen sooner but i'm not super into college football yeah no but that's... I'm, go- I'm going to catch up <laughs> i'm going okay. to admit right now that i will never listen to that podcast i'm sorry <laughs> i I, I didn't expect there to be a ton of crossover between the IMDb top 250 <laughs> and college football, so there's no offense taken. I mean, there are, like five, there are like five sports movies out there. I'm just saying, we thought that nobody was going to call us out for being assholes about Formula One racing, and guess what happened? Somebody <laughs> yeah. was mad. It was Monica. Is To be fair... I was not one of those. You and Ben just went off on Formula One talking about how easy it supposedly was. Well, I was ignorant, and we covered this. That is that is far like, in the past. You are so much smarter now. <laughs> like to issue a formal apology to Chris Hemsworth and Formula One driving. Well, they all thank you. Yeah. I'm sure they will tweet be tweeting their appreciation any is, moment uh, now. Is We Are Marshall on the top 250? Probably not. I don't believe so. No, <laughs> that's the only college football movie really that's coming to mind of like recent memory. Remember the Titans? That's no, high that's school. Not, that's that's high, not high school. <laughs> Even more important, the most important thing. <laughs> the best football. years Although, of your life. You know what? Any given Sunday might actually be on there because that's a legitimately incredible movie. But I can look this sure. up while Hold we up. talk. Let's see. We are Marshall only has a seven point one, so that's yeah, not going to be that's on there. Not surprising. Any given Sunday has a six point eight. So oh wow! It's not going to be okay. on there. No. Let's see. I'm looking up the sports movies now. There are five of them. Okay. Um, Warrior. Yeah, that's a great movie. That's Warrior's actually... a great movie. I'm yeah. looking forward to talking about that. Million Dollar Baby. Okay. Rocky. Yeah. Yeah, sure. The Hustler, which is kind of sports. Isn't that like a gambling one? Pretty sure. Yeah, it's like cards, I think. 
<laughs> cards. Oh wait, no, is that the and sorry, is that the Paul Newman one where? Yes. Yeah. yeah sorry. Pool. Ah, that's right. Yeah. So with Tom Cruise and they're like pool players. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mostly boxing movies. Yeah. That's Which makes bad. sense. That's like. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Are we going to place our bets for how long it takes Creed to like crash in there at some point? Oh, Creed's oh definitely going to be on there. I, I'm i a real big uh, Michael B. Jordan fanboy, so oh, I don't... Right. I'm going to have to confess, I've only seen like Rocky 1, but I really want to see this movie. I don't even know, like other than just hearing about it, like who uh, Apollo Creed is, but <laughs> I really, really want to see like the Adonis Creed movie just because I like Michael B. Jordan so much <laughs> I am wholly on board with that I've seen maybe one or two Rocky movies but Michael B. Jordan is incredible Yep. and uh, Ryan Coogler directed him in Fruitvale Station and I really liked that movie as well so yep. I am totally going to go see Creed and only have something of an idea about what Sly Stallone's doing in it I mean Do you, you guys... could probably just read the Wikipedia pages and you'd be fine Do you guys think there are a decent amount of scott stapp fans that are pretty disappointed that this isn't like the creed biopic that they've been like deserving for so long um i have seen we could kickstart that that same joke on the internet oh have you uh, that and just like so many jokes about the band creed um <laughs> I was actually thinking about muting some people <laughs> a couple days ago because I think it was uh, what's James Casar. <laughs> no, it was James Casar. Like, would not like it was like every other tweet, and I was like, dude, please stop. <laughs> to be fair, I am a big proponent of terrible, obvious puns, and so I cannot yeah. blame anyone for doing the same. <laughs> But uh, okay, so I I don't think any of us have seen Creed yet. But have no. you seen anything recently, Patrick, that you particularly liked or had yeah, strong opinions on? Um, well, okay, so there's definitely one movie. But can I talk about TV a little bit too? Absolutely, I'll be talking okay. about TV. Okay, so I'll do the movie first. Um, I saw Spotlight, which holy shit, like is as good as everyone is talking about. It's incredible. By far one of the best movies. Like, I would say my top three so far this year are probably that, End of the Tour, and then Mad Max. It, and I think Spotlight's probably the number one. It's, like, that incredible. It's about the, I'm sure you guys know, the Boston Globe team of, or Spotlight team of reporters that kind of broke the Boston Catholic Church um, molestation scandal and all that, brought it to, like, a big national spotlight kind of deal, and... uh yeah, the acting is incredible. Um, is directed, I think, by Thomas McCarthy, who did The Station Agent and uh, The Visitor and like an Adam Sandler movie too. For some reason, <laughs> we, yeah. let's let's not blame him for the cobbler. I don't. No, know. you got to pay the bills. It's fine. <laughs> um, I think that's Adam Sandler's motto, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but for him to, yeah. This movie is, like, I, I love The Station Agent, and I really like The Visitor, and this is definitely a different movie, but as good as, as those are. Um, Michael Keaton, Mark Ruffalo, Rachel McAdams, and Leave Schreiber all, I think, give... And Stanley Tucci, too, like, all give their best performances, I think, that they've done in their careers. Um, it kind of takes it, like... There's been a lot of talk about how it's, like one of the first like newsroom movies and how like Boston Globe people have talked about how they nailed how like that building and those people were and uh yeah it's just really good I was a journalism major so it kind of made me like nostalgic for when I worked in a newspaper and stuff and yeah it was great 
Awesome. That came up a little bit last week. I was hoping yep. I'd get a chance to see it this week before the podcast, but unfortunately it just didn't work out. Actually, yeah, yeah. I really want to see that too, but I have zero time ever to like actually go to a movie theater. <laughs> even though we work right next to one. I know. I actually, I think the last time I went to a movie theater was Crimson Peak, and then even like oh, before that, God. I can't actually remember the last time like before did you, that. Did you guys like that movie? I, I did like it. I was just... A little underwhelmed by it. Yeah, yeah, we agreed that it was beautiful, underwhelming, yep. and poorly advertised. Yeah. It, I, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> yep, that's pretty perfect. I, I didn't really like it at all. It, it's probably one of my least... It's my least favorite Guillermo movie that I've seen. Um, and I've seen most of like his English language ones and then Pan's Labyrinth and stuff. But yeah, I, I really wasn't a fan of that. It's probably but, something I'll watch like every couple of Halloweens, like just yeah, because. Right. <laughs> It's got a nice mood to it. It's just that there's not much more than the mood, unfortunately. Definitely. Yep. And I, oh, it's too bad because I really like all those people. I know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that the cast was kind of wasted, especially uh, Mia. Is it Wasikowska? Wasikowska. Okay. Um, yeah, I I like her a ton in a lot of stuff, and I really felt like like she's great, and the kids are all right, and I felt like she was kind of wasted in this. Have you seen uh, Stoker? I have it. My girlfriend has seen it, and she uh, she said like kind of similar things about her role. And she liked Crimson Peak more than I did, but she said that she kind of got a similar vibe from it. Oh yeah, she's good at like being like weird, creepy, scary girl for yeah. sure. I think I think she gets more to do in Stoker. I like I like I I really like Stoker. It was I think I've mentioned on the podcast before. It was speaking of foreign directors doing their first couple English language films. Um, <laughs> but I, I liked it a lot more. I think it added some great atmosphere, but also some really nice acting from um, Vashikovska. And yeah. I, like, I that... think that's my resident job as person who knows how to say her <laughs> last name. Honestly, it sounded like you could be totally making... It sounds like you're just like plowing through it no, and I hoping looked, you get it right. No, I looked it up once. It's Polish, Vashikovska. right? Is it Polish? It's Vashakowska, and yes, it is Polish. Okay. Yeah, that that sounds about right. I have a couple of friends that it's like a hard V or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's great, even though she doesn't get a lot, and Hiddleston doesn't get a lot to do, and Jessica Chastain gets almost too much to do. Yeah. Even though I, I love her, I appreciate it being like a kind of gothic, like uh, horror kind of style movie with a. I mean, it's similar to, like, The Turn of the Screw, if you read that and stuff like that, or The Awakening, but it's just, hmm. it's not a horror movie, and <laughs> it just kind of, I don't know, I I thought it kind of failed it. Well, I it, feel like if it hadn't been marketed as a horror movie, yeah. it would have been fine. No. That's probably my biggest gripe, yeah. It's because of when they chose to come out with it, and how they, like, chose to advertise and, and all and that. And just and knowing, like... That it's a Guillermo del Toro, Toro movie, and that that's kind of what you expect with how the marketing was going into it. And, mm-hmm. Well, plus the and, trailers all made it look like it was going to be like super scary. The ghosts are like low key in that movie for like five minutes, and they're, they're also in, they're just, in there just a point. <laughs> yeah, they're not. Yeah, exactly. They're like just literally red herring. <laughs> <laughs> I do kind of like though that it's a little different that the ghosts in this movie, instead of like haunting the main character, are there to kind of help her. Yeah. It's kind of different. As they crawl towards her and scare the shit out of her. Yeah. I will say, even though we're not big fans, it's still better than so many of the hor- oh, big budget horror movies come out yeah. this year. <laughs> I watched The Gallows, and that was one of the biggest wastes of time I've ever mm-hmm. had in my life. Yeah. But 
But Spotlight was really good. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. I, 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 like, Spotlight, I was going to say, like, it seems pretty synonymous. And, like, this happens all the time. But this movie especially, people lauding the, the sticking to the facts in it and talking yep. about how true to life it is and how much of a character, like, um, uh, ensemble piece it really is and just how it kind of nails everything. It's Which... definitely like a Oscar bait kind of movie, but it's oh. like the rare like one every two or three years Oscar bait movie that is legitimately as good as like the press is hyping it up to be. That's why I never can to- wholly discount a mo- like I'll call a movie awards bait, but awards bait movies can be really good. It's just yeah, it's not American Hustle. <laughs> we do not speak of such movies on this. You podcast. brought that up. Sorry, I'm sorry. It I? is. Yes. It does. <laughs> Spotlight. Spotlight does star though the best member of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Mr. Mark Ruffalo. Um. Well, I heartily disagree with this statement. <laughs> you know, it's. I think it's important we tackle this discussion, but I yeah. know there's a certain trailer we're going to be talking about in a little bit yeah we could just oh yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah no so shout, we can... shout out to sean fuck to civil war <laughs> <laughs> i appreciated that tweet as the person who runs most of the twitter <laughs> but uh you mentioned a tv series too what was that yeah 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 um well me and my girlfriend uh, are watching buffy um i know you're a fan it's her favorite show of all time and i've never seen it so yeah. uh if you've never seen buffy it is as good as everyone for the last 20 years has been saying so go watch that <laughs> i'm just making sure Kayla <laughs> tyler just that. is giving me a look because <laughs> he's been trying to get me to watch buffy for like two years and it's just so oh, long i i was in the same boat and like I, there are a couple of like CW, I think at that time is the WB kind of shows that I like, but I'm not a huge fan of many of them, but fuck, like the show's incredible. I'm in the middle of it right now. I'm in like the middle of season five. Yeah, I, I love Buffy. I think at this point it might be Joss Whedon might be ruined for Kayla. I just, yeah, <laughs> but... I have very complicated feelings about him as a person and as a writer and how he chooses to portray himself and his characters. And so it kind of uh, makes it hard to enjoy his stuff. <laughs> Tyler, you would probably be able to say it a little bit better, but Xander is supposed to be, like, Whedon, right? That's essentially the, like, I, I mean, guess the grounded character that's, like, the voice of the... Yeah, I can I, I can definitely see that. Like, he kind of serves that purpose. Um, it's kind of rough because... The Xander Xander's an interesting character because Nicholas <laughs> Brendan is oh boy yeah. not a great actor especially early on. <laughs> I, I think oh I thought you were going to talk about him after the show has ended. Oh I, I no, think, let's I not. actually think he's a decent actor. Like as the show kind of hits its stride. Yeah, he de- like I think he and um, Angel uh, David Boreanaz yeah. both hugely improve on like the first like the show itself gets a lot better after the first season mm-hmm. but those two especially i feel become much better actors as for- the show moves along i forget the name of the episode but the bottle episode when it's kind of based on him and like everyone else is fighting like the demon that's going to end the world that you never see but like mm. he's fighting these like two zombies or whatever yeah that, that episode's incredible and he's really good in it Oh, it's definitely the best work that he's ever had to do in his career. I, 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 it, even though um, 
some of the stuff might not hold up as well, especially yeah. some of the effects and the fighting. Oh god, uh, the, the master <laughs> from season one. <laughs> the se- season one is a very rough go, which is, makes it so weird that it gets so great with season two. Yeah, but uh, even like whether it's like the effects and the acting, or some of the um, some of the themes of the show that don't hold up as well now. Like if if that show was made now, some of it wouldn't feel as groundbreaking. But partly because it was the late nineties, early two thousands, it just and that was also like wasn't the wb really struggling like financially oh yeah yeah um i mean this is obviously it would merge with other networks to become the cw for that very reason um and that's part of the reason angel got canceled so early and although that was complicated too um Mm. i haven't seen any of that yet we're gonna watch it after after buffy angel is really good Season five of Angel might be the best season of either show. I'm a oh wow okay yeah I I'm a big fan of that show and I think it and partially because it's shorter and because the people involved had more experience at that point I feel it's doesn't have quite as many low points as Buffy does right because Buffy does have some it Buffy oh, sure yeah. it was on for seven years and it's a network television show it had some pretty rough patches in the first I mean, and. Yeah, I mean, as good as the last couple of seasons have been, like there, there's probably like two or three dud episodes a season. I would say. How far does that have? Twenty two episodes per season. Yeah, yeah. See, that's how like that's how I feel about Supernatural. Like when Supernatural is good, it's really good. Isn't that in season like twenty five? Like (laughs) I think it's it's, in season eleven right now. I stopped watching. Jared Padalecki's child is playing Sam now. (laughs) I uh, actually stopped watching halfway through season six because it honestly, to me, I feel like it peaked in season five. Yeah. And apparently, it gets good again in season eight, but I can't force myself to sit through like fifty hours of TV to get to that. I get that. That's how I was, like, talking to my friends about Smallville, because I definitely watched, like, every episode of that, and then it got real bad for, like, from season, like, six to seven or so, in that kind of period, but, like, Mm -hmm. season ten is incredible, (laughs) but it's hard to tell someone to sit through four seasons of, like, absolute shit to get to one season. It's like Gabe's argument for The Walking Dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. At least The Walking Dead is, like, 16 episodes... Right. Or, like, or like a number of eight episode seasons. They should mm-hmm. just do every TV show should just be like twelve episode seasons. I mean, the cable model is much more. I'm um, fully on board with that, and I think the guy from Fox like tried to do that because they did the following and stuff like that for a couple years. But then yeah. that that dude got fired, and I think yep. they kind of reverted back to it. Yeah, he tried doing the cable model, it failed, and then he got fired, and they were just like, forget about <laughs> all that. Right. <laughs> I just, I TV know. networks are just floundering all over the place. I just feel like a CBS. 22 episode season isn't like feasible really anymore. Not for networks. No, like, like if it was like a Netflix thing, like I guess that would yep. be different. But I don't know. Like there's just too. It's just too much. Like it's too much, and it's so much born out of just like a need to fill that episode quota as opposed to actual organic. Like, I mean. artistry (laughs) there's a reason why like the best all of the best shows on television are in cable networks and it's because they don't have to fluff like to full out uh august to may kind of schedule Mm -hmm. 
That was when I was, like, a young anime trash. I was always like, this is what is good about anime over all other things, is that <laughs> it just starts, and then it ends, and that's it. And you don't have to just, like, mindlessly keep going. <laughs> I like it. It used to be a British television thing where people yeah. would talk about how much better British television was, and now it's more of a not non-U.S. network thing as a whole, where they're like, oh, fewer episodes is better, fewer seasons is better. Right. Which is fair, because at a certain point, you have you run out of story or of your original vision, or well, you just yeah, like, trying it's like, to kind of fill I mean, space. that's I feel like that was a huge problem with the ending of The Office. Like, mm-hmm. The Office should have ended maybe like a season after Jim and Pam got together. <laughs> like, Although to be fair, NBC has also done that with their summer stuff, and the slap is the worst thing I've ever seen. The slap. <laughs> <laughs> I love I loved Sean's tweets from that period, like the slap oh. man coming to get me and stuff like. That. Wait, the slap. This oh is the one where Zachary Quinto like smacks Slaps the kid at a party. Yeah. Yep. They couldn't have come up with like a better title for that. Nope. Nope. And the like ba- all of the promotion was like, "What do you do when your child gets slapped?" And it just <laughs> like shows Zach Quinto like. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and now they're still doing it with a twenty-four like reboot yep. season and the heroes reboot season and. Yeah, I wanted to watch that because one of my favorite shows ever is Chuck and uh, Zach Levy or Levi or whatever. Zachary um, Levi, yeah. Yeah, is like the main new character on the new heroes, but I can't bring myself to watch I, it. They brought back the same showrunner. I don't trust it. Do you yep. know what they could reboot at any time and stop ruining my life? <laughs> Pushing daisies. Yep. Oh, Literally, yeah. anytime, anytime although, they could bring that back. Although I, think, I hear that Halt and Catch Fire is really good. And I'm glad that Lee Pace kind of has, like, steady work now. I mean, he kind of has all those Hobbit monies, so he's probably doing okay. Season two of that show is supposed to be really good. That's like Fargo, where I just need to sit down and watch it at some point when... um, Scoot McNeary or whatever his last name? That dude is one of my favorite, like, up-and-coming kind of actors, too, and he's in it also. So, yeah, I need to start watching that. Plus, he has a great name. Yeah. (laughs) Scoot. 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 That must have sucked growing up. Sorry, oh, I blast. totally dominated all the. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> this always happens. It's fine. Also, we can move. I like now we can move into something we've already touched on, Kayla. The good the, news is yeah, that I actually. I'm just gonna let this happen. I'm just gonna let it go. So the good news <sighs> is, is I actually haven't watched anything because I haven't really had time this week. Uh, Tyler was gone for most of the week, taking the thing that can play Netflix with him. <laughs> Because we no longer have our Blu-ray player. So I did a lot of reading this week. But the good news mm. is, the better news, rather, <sighs> yeah, boy. is that <laughs> the trailer for Captain America Civil War mm-hmm. was released. And boy, howdy. <laughs> was that a time... Yeah, not much to, to talk about. We can just so Tyler, uh, what have, Tyler, what have you seen this week? <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Like, right. like, I will not. I don't think there's much to talk silenced. about here. I think, like you know, it's just a trailer. We don't get much out of that. All so, right. Like, so basically, what I've gleaned from the trailer is that the entire movie is going to be a gay love triangle between Steve, Tony, and Bucky, and yeah. I cannot wait. Yeah. I have waited for this day. And then Anthony McKee will be like every five minutes, like, "What's going on, guys?" <laughs> and that'll be it. <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, yeah, so uh, uh, actually, though, I'm like super excited for this movie, and I was pretty curious as to what they were gonna do, since obviously the actual premise of Civil War is kind of off the table, way off. <laughs> with the fact that like 
in the MCU, nobody really has a secret identity. And, uh, you know, they don't have the X-Men or the Fantastic Four or right. any of the characters fairly central to the plot <laughs> of Civil War. So... The thing I'm kind of most interested to see is, since they took away pretty much all of that, how are they going to finagle Spider-Man into appearing now? Because he doesn't give a shit about Bucky or <laughs> any of this stuff that they're, like... I feel like, like maybe he's going to come out of the woodwork as, like, I don't know, like, maybe they find him doing some vigilante shit, and they're like, you're yeah. just a child. <laughs> like, what are you doing here? Maybe yeah, an appearance kind of like how uh, Anthony McKee had in um, Ant-Man. Just to kind of, like, pop up for five seconds. Yeah, he's there for, like, a minute to fight Ant-Man. And just like, Avengers, right? Remember? This is a (laughs) Marvel movie, guys. Eh? (laughs) Just in case you forgot. You like this guy, right? (laughs) Yeah, we couldn't couldn't afford Chris, but, you know. uh... I thought Chris Evans was in Ant-Man. Oh, he's in the the spoilers. He's in the teaser at the end. Oh, okay. Which is basically, like, the first scene in uh, the trailer. Yeah. So if you've watched the trailer, you've seen the the stinger from Ant Man or from Ant Man. Basically, it's it's Bucky with his arm in the thing. Cool. Anyway, we're not talking about Ant Man. <laughs> Fuck Ant Man. Honestly, right now. Um. So we can move on to the next thing. <laughs> Tyler, so. <laughs> I'm trying, man. <laughs> I just want to take a moment to reflect on how beautiful Chris Evans looks in this trailer, and how much my heart broke watching him interact. With Robert Downey Jr. Um, it's honestly like they made this trailer specifically for Kayla. I literally was watching it and basically emitting a high-pitched keening noise the entire time. It's, it's, it's funny because that noise like must have dictated onto your phone and gone out as a tweet. <laughs> yeah, no wonder those tweets are so illegible. It was just your phone was like doing the voice thing, and you were just sliding sl- over consonants all over the place. To be fair, the badly typed things that I was putting on Twitter was pretty much what I also sounded like in real life because I was pretty much inconsolable by the time the there trailer are, was over. There are two lines in that trailer, especially. Oh, Sometimes God. I want to punch you in your perfect teeth. God. She literally squealed, and the. Uh, I, I, he's my friend. So was I. And the yeah. worst Kayla... goddamn thing that they could have ever done. Oh Look, God. all right. Of I course, it's going... like the last, like two seconds of that trailer because they know that that's what everyone was gonna, gonna do me. right just away. Stab me in the fucking. <laughs> she face. was watching on my laptop, and I was legitimately scared. She was just gonna whip it across the room. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only reason she did it is there was still a couple bits left of the trailer i was uh clutching it in white knuckles <laughs> i was, it was not going anywhere <laughs> i was watching it at my parents house and i was just like oh shit <laughs> this is gonna <laughs> blow up <laughs> she turned to me and she's like well i know how fitting chris evans on the podcast this week <laughs> no shoehorning this week it's right. <laughs> well, a legitimate thing i can't even complain except for the fact that she's focusing mostly on how chris evans looks in the trailer <laughs> you know he looks less muscular in this one did anybody else notice that no he looks what if we watched it right now on the podcast and we could all <laughs> concur that he looks less muscular yeah he has like three percent less body muscle totally no, like, i feel like his face looks more angular oh uh, maybe i don't know it probably depends on what other movies he's been doing at the time like okay so thor is not in this movie but Mark did Ruffalo, you see the picture criminally of him? left out of this movie yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Hulk He's off in space doing what the fuck ever. It doesn't matter. He whatever. is going to be in the next Thor, though, so that's pretty awesome. Yeah, they're pairing those two off together into the movie I care the least about, which <laughs> is the Thor movies. Ragnarok. 
Sure, shrug. Like, <laughs> like yeah, like those we, are I, definitely my least favorite of the Marvel movies. I think they're fun. They have their place. They're they're, they're like graphically incredible. Like everything on Asgard or Asgard. Uh, Asgard. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Right. It's okay. Like See Ragnarok. You guys next Asgard. Week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Asgard. My bad. But uh, that that's all great. But everything on Earth is shit. <laughs> Like those are like the most comic booky movies of all, in that like you know like the or the way that people consider comic book movies in that they're like fun in the moment but kind of throwaway. Yeah. Like comics, like comics, I don't like. There are some really surpassingly great comics, but like I think that's how people think of comics, and so it kind of makes them like the ideal comic book movies. But with Black Panther and Captain Marvel coming and Captain America Civil War, Thor rests firmly at the bottom of yeah. my excitement level. Like, I'm even more excited well, for the second Ant-Man movie. It sucks movie. because I, I feel I like see there's it. such potential there, like, for them to be good. I want to see it more than Doctor Strange, but, yeah, oh. it's not Ugh. that high. That's fair. <laughs> I, I was hoping for a Tom Hardy Doctor Strange, but whatever. Oh, God. Tom Hardy anything superhero, like, related. <sighs> Tom Hardy, just anything. Yeah. Oh, watch Tom Hardy in anything. He can I really, do whatever he wants. I really want to see Legend. That looks great. Yes. Until then, we'll just rewatch Mad Max over and over again. <laughs> yes. Kayla, did you have anything else? No, to... I legitimately did. I Because you took the laptop with you, I didn't watch anything. <laughs> because I didn't have access to Netflix or anything. We have all to... these movies. I know. I, I was reading. Oh, okay. Anyway, Tyler. Uh, anyway, I would just like to once again say that Civil War is going to be really good. We're all very excited. Just couldn't let it go at that. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler, what have you watched this week? All right. Well, mine is also a Marvel thing, but it is blissfully Chris Evans free. Is there oh, such a thing God. as Chris Evans free? No. Yes, there no, it's. Is. Do, do you remember the little kid running around in the Captain America costume? <laughs> no, 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 I don't. No, nope, do not. <laughs> I watched all of Jessica Jones. I did not mean to, but as Netflix does, it just happened where I've watched all of the episodes. Uh, it is one of the it, – it's definitely one of the more uh, meaningful Marvel things to be released. I also think it is one of the best things Marvel has released. It loses me a little bit at the end, and some of the character arcs come up pretty short. I don't, I don't like what they do with all the characters, and it doesn't all quite come together. But there are so many more positives than negatives about this show. Some of them, the obvious, it's finally a female superhero. It's it's finally not a snarky white dude who is leading the way. Right. It's a very diverse cast otherwise. Most of the main characters in it are uh, white women or black men. Yeah, I like how um, I heard this, I think, on The Watch, the Bill Simmons podcast. um, Where they basically talk about how... The white men in the first, like, up until Kilgrave is introduced, are there to, like, fix doors and get beat up by Luke Cage. And Yeah, they... they're either evil or bumbling. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> I haven't gotten a chance to watch any of it yet, and I'm really excited to start it. Ten, well, the yeah, show... I, I think I watched the first five episodes. The last one I saw was the one where Kilgrave gets the text message. Ah, Yes. Um, the whole, like, the whole series kind of operates as, like, a man trying to control a woman's body and trying to control her life and who just won't let it go. So, like, the whole thing is kind of an allegory about the relationship, the often toxic relationships between men and women or, like, how men treat women. And it's about Jessica Jones kind of trying to throw off his power and just get rid of this terrible terrible man. Yeah. Um, the powers kind of take a backseat and it's more like the mental and, like, 
societal kind of effects of the like aftermath of these powers and stuff yeah like the power like even jessica jones's powers like they're there and they're present but they're not overt and they're just like a part of her life they're not everything she can jump really high and she can throw dudes around like bars and that's like the extent of what we see with her powers and other than that it's like a really good character study and Kilgrave is probably the best Marvel villain yet. I'd say uh, at least as good as you. At least as good as Loki, I think. I okay. I'm not. I, I haven't finished it yet, so I don't know. But uh, I I really liked um, Vincent D'Onofrio. D- yeah, I really liked him as Kingpin. Yes, he was really good. And the TV shows so far, they have better villains and have much more nuanced villains, which is probably because they can give time to the villains. Yeah. You can have an episode where you explore the villain's backstory without excuse of the things he's doing. That was that was interesting to me going into it, is that um, I heard a lot about how you're going to feel for Kilgrave the same way that you did for Kingpin. And, like, I f- there were episodes in Daredevil where I legitimately felt bad for Kingpin. And I haven't got I haven't got anything like that from Kilgrave. He seems like deplorable, but maybe that's something in the back half of the season that I haven't seen yet. They do get into it more. I will say he's just a much more sinister and unforgivable villain than uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's character. Yeah. Uh, than Kingpin. Uh, Kingpin ultimately is m- much more sympathetic. I feel, but uh, they do they get into Kilgrave and the his his past and all that, which. Yeah. Makes you understand why he is the way he is more, but it doesn't forgive him. Okay. And that's one of the more interesting... I think that's part of what makes him so interesting, is he is kind of a very complicated... He's a complicated character, but they never let you forget that he is a terrible person and a, like, a horrible villain. Like... He, he can be charming and he has like a tragic past, but it still does not forgive all the things he is doing now. And I Did just the feel kids it's get very out of well the room? <laughs> That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Whatever that is, it sounds like a spoiler, so don't say it. No, it's, it's like the second episode. But yeah. it's... Also, I, I, like, I, um, Kristen Ritter's really good. David Tennant is really good. It's just like... He's so charming, but so deplorable, and he's able to occupy those two spaces at the same time equally, and not they do not contradict each other. He is both things. Um, I don't know but, what the girl's name was, but I really liked the girl that played the uh, victim in the first episode, and then, um, I, I forget her name, the teenager, um, the daughter Hope. of the... Hope? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Um... Shouts to Mike Coulter, who plays Luke Cage. He is incredible, and I am so excited for his series because that dude it kills it as Luke Cage. And ultimately, I am more excited for season two of Jessica Jones than I am for Defenders because yeah. Jessica Jones already has two. I, I, I liked Daredevil, but I Luke uh, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones are much more interesting to me. The cast for Luke Cage looks pretty good so far, too. The I think the main villain, from what I've seen so far, is going to be the guy that plays Remy in House of Cards. And then, um... Oh, uh, Doug, uh the guy who pl- uh, Doug Stamper. Oh, wait, no, no, hold on. No, 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 no. Um, Remy is the guy that was, like, the chief of staff, um, that oh. had the relationship with Jackie Sharp. Um, yes, yes. Yeah. And then, uh, there was another... I want to say maybe it was Viola Davis who is in the movie we're talking about, but I might be wrong about that. Um, I don't see her on the cast list, although if she was in that show, that show would 
like she's so good. Yeah. Uh, um, let's see if I can. Let's see. I see. Bear with uh, me, real quick. <laughs> Mahershala Ali. Yeah, is that's the guy that's from, Remy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Frankie Faison is in it. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know as many of these people. I remember seeing like an exciting. an older um, black woman actress that I really like a lot. Oh, Alfreda Woodard. What is she in? Um, she was in. <laughs> like oh, wait, she, she was familiar. in Desperate Housewives and uh, a couple other things. Um, she has 108 credits. She does. Yeah. She does work. She's been in a lot, but she's a very good actress. Uh, True yes. Blood, I guess. I, I didn't watch that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And um, but yeah, ultimately Jessica Jones, very good. Definitely recommend it if you're into Marvel things at all. And ultimately, I'm very excited for Luke Cage too. It's set up Luke Cage very well. Um. How exciting would it be if there was a Jessica Jones Captain America crossover? <laughs> Isn't I mean Kayla's been gone for so long that she comes back with that. <laughs> it, I haven't seen this. I didn't I couldn't talk about anything. I would very much like I to know, see but you come back Black Widow and Jessica Jones pair up. That would be Hell great. Hell yeah. Or maybe we could just give Black Widow her own thing for once, maybe. Oh, what a nice. novel concept. <laughs> <laughs> Kayla, no, I know. the time has passed for that. It just doesn't make financial... They, they had it on SNL, okay? Like, <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry, did you mean Supergirl? Is that all? <laughs> uh, but, yes, that is Jessica Jones. And I'm just going to touch on the other thing I watched, the big thing I watched briefly. I saw The Night Before... Yesterday, cool. uh, we talked about that on last week episode. Last week's episode with Landon. So I'll just say, it is funny. Um, it is not even. It's not going for the same thing that Fifty Fifty was. So I couldn't be super disappointed that it did not live up to that standard. Really, it's feel. It's more of a vehicle for like jokes and cameos with a viable emotional uh, backstory that kind of take. It kind of sits on the back burner throughout the movie. It's, it's, it's fine and it's fun and it's funny, but yeah, I, I'd rather watch Fifty Fifty a few more times. I love Fifty Fifty, and I do want to see the night before. But I saw the movie he did in between, which was hot garbage. So I'm kind of losing like a little bit of my steam with uh, Jonathan Levine. But I'll probably see it eventually. What was the movie between again? Warm Bodies. It was that one with uh. Nicholas Holt where he's a zombie and. Uh, he like falls in love with the girl that's the yeah. daughter of like the people trying to exterminate zombies. It was terrible. No. <laughs> I like I was to be fair. I, I think was just dis- based on a novel. It, yeah, yeah. It was pretty. Yeah, like I it had some all right parts, but it felt very thin. I felt more like strongly like judging him based off that because he also wrote the script for that. Uh, so like he could have. Uh, I. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you might say it felt a little warmed over. <laughs> Ooh. Oh my God. I was a little cold on it. <laughs> yeah, no, All that right, well, was. Well, the podcast is over now. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, let's get into the movie we came here to talk about, and which is blissfully Chris Evans free. Uh, we, <laughs> this week we watched Prisoners. Happy Hello. Thanksgiving. Anna, wait until we're invited. Oh, for God's sake, Kelly, get the hell in here. Abby, can I take Joy to our house? Wear a hat, please. You're just getting over a cold. Where are your sisters? Wait, I checked the entire house. They're not here. 
Dad, there was this RV, and they were playing on it. There was, we thought there was someone inside. You wait here. I couldn't find them. Detective Loki. I'm going to find your daughter. You put those girls somewhere, Alex. No. I know you put those girls somewhere. Day six, and every day she's wondering why I'm not there. You told us that you could protect us from everything. Why did you look for my daughter? So this week we watched Prisoners. It is the 2013 movie from uh, the director Denis Villeneuve. It stars Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal, along with a number of other A and B list actors. Uh, it was written by Aaron Guzikowski. The script was actually on the blacklist in 2009. Rolled around for a couple years. The movie made 61 dollars or 61 million. <laughs> 61 dollars. 61 <laughs> it made 61 million both domestic and foreign for a total of about 122 million dollars versus a 46 million dollar budget. So it was a pretty solid success. It is an 8.1 on IMDb. Current, I think I might have dropped to 8.0, but you know, around that area. Ooh, sorry, currently, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we can't talk about it anymore. Oh man, it's uh currently at 230 on the IMDb 250. It also has an 81% critic score and 87% user score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 74 Metacritic score with an 8.5 user score. So uh, all around pretty well regarded. But uh, yeah, oh, and also worth mentioning, it'll come up later. The cinematography is done by the legendary Roger Deakins and the music is done by Johan Johansson. So yeah, let's get into the movie a bit. Now, uh, Patrick, you were the one who stumped for doing this movie. Yeah. Uh, I had seen it before, but you really wanted to talk about it. And uh, let us uh, tell us a little bit about why you wanted to talk about this movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, I saw it in the theater um, and really liked it. And then I saw Enemy, I think maybe like two months afterwards, also by Denis Villeneuve. Or, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, that guy. And um, just loved both of those movies and uh i revisited it when it came out on blu-ray and liked it a lot then but i hadn't really seen it since so i kind of wanted to use this as an excuse to watch it again <laughs> and <laughs> i did just really enjoy the movie and um yeah so um i guess that's i felt like that was kind of like a big like maybe peak period for Hall, and I like him a lot. I was kind of hesitant going into the movie the first time because I am not a huge fan of Hugh Jackman. And I heard that, like, in reviews and stuff, that he kind of carries the movie. And, fuck, he is incredible in this. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. I just really thought it was a great, like, beautiful, like, shot, beautifully shot and directed movie and well acted that, like, going back to it again don't really like the script it's kind of clunky and it's pretty heavy-handed with one aspect that i guess we can maybe go into a little bit later um i don't know what do you what do you guys think about the movie we're definitely gonna get into all those things mm-hmm. but kayla this is your first time you're the only one here who hadn't seen the movie before and what did you what is your um kind of first impressions coming off of seeing it for the first time well 
it was one of those movies that I had seen the trailer for endless, like on an endless four hour loop every day for, <laughs> uh, probably two or three months because it was, uh, the video store that I worked at was really plugging that movie for oh, some wow. reason. It was on the screener <laughs> for a really long time. And, um, I don't know. I guess I, if I had known like the director, I probably would have watched it sooner, but my impression at first was that like oh, okay boring kidnapping drama families torn apart sure whatever <laughs> and so we started watching it last night i was just blown away by how subtle the camera work is yeah like i definitely agree with you that the script is pretty clunky uh, like reflecting back on it but some of the shots in there are just so yeah just well framed and just tense and haunting and beautiful i don't know i don't i do not have enough good things to say about the cinematography of the movie and i also think that um while hugh jackman and jake gyllenhaal do definitely carry the movie the people who have smaller roles are so good in those like teeny tiny roles like the sun melissa leo is incredible yeah i didn't even realize that was her until i was reading the trivia afterwards Uh, Viola Davis and Terrence Howard are good. I the one the wife too. She see, I feel good. like Maria Bello. Her, I feel like her character in this is kind of similar to her character in A History of Violence, and I feel like she was given way more to do with A History of Violence, and in this she kind of, I mean, it's understandable, but in this she kind of like laid in bed, and they kind of made her seem a little crazy, and I, I felt like she could have been given a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a big part of this movie is that Hall and Jackman have a lot to do and this great cast of other actors who can like headline their own movies or at least be big, bigger parts of yep. other movies don't have a whole lot to do. Terrence Howard is in it for like five minutes and he is in the same exact position as Hugh Jackman. But like... <laughs> you know, it's kind of nice though to have like that caliber of actor even in small roles like that. Yeah. It's like an awards bait movie where it's like, wow, all the way down the cast list, there's just these great people in mm-hmm. here yep. for a little bit. I did want to talk about the cinematography. The, um, there, like uh, Kayla, you mentioned, there are a couple of shots like throughout the movie that are really great. And there were two that stood out to me in particular. Um, the first scene when we meet Detective Loki, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, in the diner, and it's like that wide shot that's like inching closer to him as mm-hmm. he's sitting with his back to the camera, like looks incredible with the way the diner is lit. And then there's a scene where he uh, is interviewing sex offenders in the kind of region of the the house, and it's like shooting him from outside of where he is through windows. So like you see him in the home of one of the offenders like throwing around like german porn and stuff and then you see him in the room of like a diner where one of the other guys works interviewing him and the way that it kind of creeps towards him is like really unsettling but looks incredible yeah all of the shots that particularly stood out to me were the shots that kind of did that same creeping up on things but it was inanimate objects like Mm -hmm. there is one where they shoot like it's through the door of the girl's bedroom and it just sort of slowly zooms in on her bed yeah and all all of those just like tracking shots i don't know for me that was the easiest way to can sorry let me start over (laughs) for me that was how i felt you could really feel the loss of the two girls was just those 
long empty shots where it just you just feel that dread creeping up on you it really shows a lot without showing like anything <laughs> yeah i i feel like um uh, villeneuve and deacons are a great pairing for that uh they kind of bring out the best in each other with the um with the look of things but also in the amount of dread and darkness that they bring to it um i've seen sicario mm-hmm. which is their most recent pairing and that is like that it has it even more like amped up to 11 has in spades all that stuff just like such dread like yeah. they work really well in tandem <laughs> and i guess they first hooked up because um deacons was really impressed by incendies which we'll talk about at a certain point okay but um yeah i feel yeah, bad uh, i i've seen i've only seen prisoners and enemy and i want to see sicario really bad but i haven't moved back and seen like he has something like like five or five or six foreign language films that I haven't seen yet, and I definitely want oh, to yeah. see those because I love, and I love Enemy, and I like this one a lot. So, yeah, and the uh, the uh, cinematography actually is what this got an Academy Award nomination mm-hmm. for. I will say there, it, for the most part, it is very subtle or like subtle or at least like intent. Like it, it doesn't feel like. A big flourish. There's one moment early on where it like swoops over this dam and this river. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. that is the that is the cinematography money shot that they can show <laughs> the Oscar voters. So it's like, look at this, <laughs> look what I could do. And then it goes back to like, oh, dark, sad. I'm trying to see. I'm trying to see what actually won that year um, for cinematography. Yeah, and almost, so oh, that is of course it was Gravity. Um, oh, yeah, that's. Okay. Uh, that's fair that's yeah. that's fair <laughs> that movie is even more cinematography than this movie is Man. and that's like and cinematography is one of the strongest points of this movie what a what a great year for that category like there's prisoners nebraska um inside lewin davis gravity and then the grandmaster which is the only one of those i haven't seen but honestly that year was my favorite oscar year in like recent memory yep. <laughs> i saw every single best picture uh, nominee in theaters that year that was what my uh boyfriend at the time and i did with all of our christmas money that we got from our parents <laughs> and it was so cool <laughs> i'm still i'm still a little salty over inside lewin davis not getting nominated that year but yeah oh yeah was... we also saw we also saw inside lewin davis because we were like this should have been nominated yep. <laughs> <laughs> so that's roger deacon's peerless incredible uh nothing like nothing but positive things to say there um when it gets to the actual uh, meat of the story, though, I, I I really like this movie, but on second rewatch, especially getting towards the end, the st- the story itself does not totally come together. No, I I didn't love Hugh Jackman. Uh, I really liked Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Jackman was a little much for me sometimes, and I, that's kind of the point of this yeah. character. Uh, he's a guy who doesn't trust anyone who doesn't think anybody's doing the best job they could and he is clearly the best person for every job like he's one of those guys and so it's kind of fitting right but uh, it, i i just enjoyed what Hall was doing a lot more it seemed to me like um maybe this is me reading too far into it but um for the scenes when they're in the apartment um complex with paul dano being tortured and stuff um and by the way paul dano is very good in this also he's a great actor yeah he doesn't have 
also, like a lot of the other kind of bit characters in this, doesn't have a ton to do other than be kind of creepy. But, uh, yeah, he does a great job in this. But um, when they're torturing him, it seemed to me like it was kind of being displayed as, are you going to be, if you were in this situation, are you Hugh Jackman, or you're a lunatic and are essentially going to do anything to find your daughter, or are you Terrence Howard where you kind of fall apart? And it's it seemed like you kind of needed... I, I do agree that he was a little over the top with the performance, but it seemed like that was intentional to me. Yeah, that's why. I, that's why I didn't hate it. It just it was not my preferred part of the film, even though I thought it made sense. And even the parts where he's making stupid decisions at every turn, I'm like, that's nah, that's this guy. He thinks he could do it better, and he doesn't like he doesn't take precautions. He doesn't let the police know where he's going. He's just he is the best man for the job, even. To in his own eyes, even though he's like insane with grief and is making terrible decisions. My whole issue with his character is that he just—I just feel like at every turn he's fucking something up. Oh yeah, and it's like—and I guess you have to think about like how you would react in that situation. But I can't imagine very many human beings actually reacting to a situation with "I will." capture the person i think did this and torture them for days on end i'm gonna rig the shower to where it only comes out blazing hot or freezing cold that was <laughs> and then torture him with it horrible yeah um the scene with uh hall and jackman in the police car together when Joan hall is kind of following they were like shadowing jackman and they're just like mm-hmm. screaming at each other is incredible like there are two scenes in the movie where i don't remember ever feeling so tense during a movie and it was one of them was that one and then the end when Jillian Hall is driving the like racing to the hospital but bleeding through like one of his eyes <laughs> to that... like, rescue the daughter who's poisoned essentially yes and those shots with him the blood covering half his face and then the bl- the flashers on the police car going off yeah. God, every time he turned around oh. to look at her i was like can you just look <laughs> at the road please like please was, stop i yeah i was like in the theater on the edge of my seat and watching it here at home like the edge of my bed and i remember i mean when i was watching it here today um not that long ago i like the first 45 minutes i was like this is a lot slower and not as interesting as i remembered and then the back half, I was just like, yep, this is the movie I remembered. <laughs> it, is, it is a long movie. Oh, yeah. Two and a half really hours. Long. That's Yes. One thing I want to point out as we talk about um, Jackman's character and kind of the ridiculousness of him, uh, one of my... Thing I, one of the things I really like about Villeneuve is some of the detail he puts in, and he gives the characters a past um, in... In passing, like using some of the backgrounds and using some of just the kind of the set dressings yeah, that was to give his things. characters past lives that th- it doesn't explicate and it doesn't need to explicate. It's just it kind of uh, pads out the characters more without going out of its way to without being showy about it. And it rewards you paying attention to these yeah, things. That was one of the things I wanted to talk about, because if you just watch this movie and you don't really grab onto some of the subtle things you could maybe go out thinking well they didn't really develop any of the characters you don't really know anything about Hall or jackman really the most like overtly developed character is melissa leo um but there are those kind of subtle things like i noticed uh jake Hall, like he mentions briefly when he's like beating up the 
priest or whatever that he was at a boy's home he wears like a freemason ring he has like this weird twitch and all the tattoos and stuff and then hugh jackman with like the it seemed like they and this is going to make me go off on a tangent because it's the one thing about the movie i don't like that much but they they focus like just briefly like shots of like a cross hanging on his chest and stuff and then like you get the brief kind of mentioned that his father like owned the apartment complex and stuff and that he lived there with him it's just small stuff like that i really liked this scene when jill and uh jill and hall loki goes over to their house and they're looking in the basement and he's just oh, looking yeah. at all the stuff and it gives you both it it shows you that jill and hall is a really good detective Throughout yeah. this movie, he's really good at picking up these clues, like when he chases the uh, the guy from The Wake. Yep. And it also gives you, in that moment, you're seeing Gyllenhaal be good at his job, but you're also seeing Jackman, you're getting a lot from his character, just because you're seeing all these things piled up, like all these groceries and stockpiles, so he's ready for anything. Just kind of showing you that, again, he's this guy who doesn't trust anyone and is prepared for when, everyone else, when everything goes to shit. Yeah, it's that speech in the beginning of the movie when he's with his son hunting, like the always be ready or something like that that he says Mm -hmm. um and then you see later on in the movie that he's oh he's prepared for like the nuclear holocaust like he has (laughs) stock supplies for like the next 10 years in his basement but then also in that scene um before they go to the basement there's the quick shot of like when Hall's character is in the bedroom with uh melissa leo and she's saying that like the window was open and stuff like that and someone was in here um Mm -hmm. After she leaves the room, he just, like, quickly glances over to her bedside, and the camera flashes really quick to see, like, the pill bottles and all the tissues and stuff, like, oh, maybe she's not thinking rationally and stuff like that. It's really, like, well shot to get those little quick things that he's, yeah, like you said, a great detective that, even though he's kind of rough around the edges, can, like, piece these things together and knows when to go after something and when not to. And you can get all that without it being explained to you. It just comes up naturally. Like yep. You can tell he's a good detective. You can tell he has like a shady past, or maybe he was not, and Villeneuve has talked about this in interviews, but it you to kind of flesh it out. But you can tell he was not always, like he wasn't like a, a good kid growing up necessarily. Like he was probably a little bit on the rough, from the wrong side of the tracks, and then. He, he was like a criminal who became a cop, like yeah. that kind of idea, mm-hmm. uh, which is a one of the things I like about Villeneuve in the movies I've watched from him so far is he, the sensibility that he brings, and I don't know if it's because he's from another country who it speaks a different language or what, but he's able to take these movies that have familiar premises and kind of view them from a slightly different angle. Yeah. Um, Because, like, this is a very standard tale for the most part. It is, like, an episode of any procedural. But just the way it looks and the kind of themes, or maybe not the themes, but the way it kind of uh, looks into some of those themes, even if it doesn't always work, just feels very fresh. And that's why I'm excited he's got the Blade Runner movie. I'm excited Sicario did well. Like, I really want to see this guy and his take on anything. I would be down to check out. It's It's really strange to me that, um, like... How everything in this movie is so subtle and so, like, well thought out and envisioned, except for the script and the dialogue. Well, and and except for, like, the completely, like, heavy-handed religious tones of, like, we're waging a war against God. That that was I don't understand that. That was my most frustrated part of of the movie. When she said that, I didn't even understand. 
it, so why sh- that was like I didn't get it at all. I think all. this <laughs> came out around the same time as Flight too, which also had I don't know if you guys saw that, but also had like the most ridiculous, heavy-handed, like religious aspect to it. Of like, I, did you guys see that movie? No. No. Oh, okay. Well, it's the one with uh with um Denzel, Denzel Washington, where he's the pilot that's kind of like a drunk and stuff, but he visits the the wife of um his co-pilot who is in the hospital and she's like ranting on him like about how like how i mean they're essentially seem to be as like extremists and stuff but just going on a rant about jesus and stuff like this and i was like that came out of nowhere (laughs) and i had a similar feeling with this movie that it even though there were a couple of shots of like a cross here and there it was so heavy-handed and well i just felt like it was hugh jackman's character that like was religious and so that made sense to me but when she started being like it makes people like you faithless like i wonder like do they target religious families or i I think that might have been it because the husband was in the basement of the priest's home that also i don't know i felt also my issue with the script is that it was red herring after red herring oh yeah after red hair you could have cut like two of those herrings out and it would have been like an hour 45 minute movie i think that's why you can lose some of the subtlety especially like some of the religious stuff i forgot about the first time around because the movie's so long that at a certain point you forget that it opened with like the lord's prayer and the hunting of the deer and all that Well, and that's like what's his face um bobby taylor bob taylor the second guy Mm -hmm. that they suspected of kidnapping the girls like literally, I felt like the entire purpose of his character was just to add runtime to the movie. He was like um, the same dude as that guy was in The Dark Knight, like just a crazy lunatic that's there to be a red herring. But and that's kind of what keeps the movie because the movie has a lot of similarities to Zodiac and Gone Girl, kind of just in premise, but also in some of the tones and some of the things it's looking into. I think the some of the more lackluster parts of the script, which are kind of surprising given that this script was on the blacklist yeah um with an i just took note of also on the blacklist that year is like take this waltz and uh z for zechariah and a number of other movies i really enjoyed mm-hmm. um but like the script is like the weakest part because and the villain doesn't really come together like the villain feels very just oh yeah suddenly evil person yep devil worshiper it's a tv trope it's called the big bad <laughs> yeah well speaking of tv tropes and being a procedural kind of style it's complete with the most inept police chief, like, maybe of all time. <laughs> that I don't know. Have you seen the original Last House on the Left? Did no, I have watched that a couple yeah. years ago? Yeah. <laughs> that that dude whole... is just there to, like, scowl at Gyllenhaal and be like, oh, no, I didn't do that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's like, it, it feels a little cheapened when some of the biggest parts of your movie happen because they... Because they said that they put the Paul Dano under surveillance and then just didn't. And then like, when Joan Hall was so... like, can I get one more day? And the guy was like, eh, well, sure. And then he didn't give him a day. And then the dad, Hugh Jackman, freaks out inside the police station. <laughs> it's, yeah. So, like, uh, there are so many smart things about this movie, but also just feel like some... It's it's weird the amount of detail that goes into it, especially like Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackman's characters, but then how like malformed Melissa Leo's character feels, or how like Gyllenhaal Loki is so good at his job, but like none of the other cops are. <laughs> yeah, I got the impression that he just sort of like showed up from somewhere. Like he probably wasn't originally from that town or that police force. But yeah, I do want to point out real quick. Uh, 
I wouldn't put so much well, stock wait. in a script being on the blacklist. That's fair. Because in my um, I think he was endless hours. Sorry, he was like the first responder to the like. But like, I mean, like generally, he was an outsider. Like maybe he didn't originally come from there. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so I wouldn't say that you should necessarily consider the script being on a blacklist like a good thing all the time because in my endless hours of reading IMDb movie trivia, there are lots of really bad movies (laughs) where I'm like, oh, why the script was on the blacklist? And when you consider how many movie scripts are on the blacklist too. Yeah, that that Jim Henson biopic has been there for like years. (laughs) And they did a Muppets TV show before they did that. (laughs) Like, oh, well, that, I'm sure that'll be the biopic some year oh, when sure. they don't have a Steve Jobs one to do or something. And it'll probably be Joaquin Phoenix playing him or something like that. <laughs> Grow the beard back out. Honestly, I think that when they do the Jim, a Jim Henson biopic, it should be, like, only with Muppets. <laughs> How amazing would that be? Would you have, is it uh, Rolf the dog play Jim Henson? <laughs> um, I was thinking more, like, Sam the Eagle. No, okay. just kidding. <laughs> Have you seen a picture of Jim Henson? <laughs> <laughs> yep, Sam the Eagle. <laughs> Maybe Bleaker, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, there were some, uh, like I said, like I really like the cinematography. I really like the direction. Um, I really like most of the acting. There, I don't know. You know I'm curious, did anybody else, I felt like I was getting the vibe that Jake Gyllenhaal's character, like, I didn't get, like, the reformed criminal vibe. I got the, like, possibly was molested as a child. Well, yeah, because he said he grew vibe. up in, he in a boy. He like said that? he grew up in a boy's home, and it would have been, like, a real badge of honor for him to beat the shit out of the um, father. So yeah. I don't know if it was maybe alluding to him being molested, or maybe he knew people in the boy's home that had been molested. But there is definitely, like, and funny uh, connection, the priest that he kind of roughs up in that movie is the guy that plays father law in spotlight, who is the big, like cardinal. That that is not the best typecasting to have, but (laughs) get work, dude. (laughs) But, uh, Um, yeah, I will say I didn't totally mean reformed criminal. Like, not so much reformed criminal is like, not he's He wasn't like a good boy growing up. And like, who definitely like, uh, I get what you mean. He lived a life like he like yeah. he lived a not great life like the, before becoming a cop and part of his job become the reason he became a cop is kind of like to clean it up and that's why he takes it so seriously because I mean he has knuckle tattoos and tattoos on his neck like he wasn't yeah. like he didn't go to Harvard yeah I will say I I don't know if I I know you favorited my tweet about this Patrick but I don't know if I was the only one who found this interesting but um the only shots fired in the movie, really, are when Gyllenhaal has a gun pulled on him. Like, during that whole pursuit, I was like, you know, he could try pull a gun on the guy, but he doesn't. The only the only shots were uh, that one and then uh, Taylor shooting himself. Villeneuve's mentioned it in a couple interviews how he, this kind of, he thinks this movie reflects North America these days, which... I, I which I saw in the movie and is interesting because this 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 French director coming to America and doing this movie about uh, he does. It's a cop. And also like this very angry white man who does not trust <laughs> any the government <laughs> and yeah. takes matters into his own hands. Yeah. And especially given recent events, um, there isn't really an element of race here, but it felt kind of timely. 
And the fact that he actually said this is like he kind of considers this the state of North America. I feel this well, without actually meaning to do it and without going out of its way to make any of those points, it kind of does indict um, our society a little bit yeah. just in terms of, you know. Angry white guys taking the law into their hands when they feel yeah. it's not being carried out properly. I mean, yep. Hugh Jackman essentially makes Terrence Howard, who is going through the same situation as him, like an accomplice to this thing that he's probably going to get arrested for, and yeah. just walks all over him as he's grieving. And although it was interesting that Viola Davis was kind of like, no, let him do it. <laughs> like, this is okay. <laughs> well, I feel like it's kind of it's kind of one of those things where personally neither of that couple would have ever done that right but but that because somebody else took the initiative to do it they're like eh, like i wouldn't do that but like he can do that it's fine there was and also it's a matter of imp- implicating themselves too, right like, yeah but there was the scene where terrence howard was gonna free him and viola davis was like stop what you're doing like yeah and i will say it's kind of a shame um while it's always good to have viola davis in your movie she had so, like, she's the most notably given the least to do. Like, Terrence Howard is at least in a bunch of scenes until they just disappear from the movie entirely yeah. at a certain point. But Viola Davis has almost nothing to do in this nope. movie, and she is incredible. Yeah, I would say that her and uh, Maria Bello are the two most underutilized um, parts of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it, I find this interesting, so I, I just want to, like, elucidate this point a little bit. So... We have all of this talent in that movie, this movie, like a cast that is way more talented than it needs to be. Uh, a really good director, great cinematographer, uh, a script that at least is had some, you know, weight behind it. And it came out, like, we got this movie that I could, I think it's a really good movie. Yeah, I agree. But I almost wonder if in other similar circumstances I've been disappointed because the movie wasn't great, even though it had all this talent behind it. And I'm... It, Almost wondering a little bit if it's like uh, if I'm uh, kind of not cheating myself, but that I'm kind of going against what I, my usual standards in s- kind of being satisfied with what I got with this movie. Right. I I feel kind of similarly, um, and I feel like this movie reminded me a lot of a movie that I just saw for the first time, like maybe a month ago. But uh, Out of the Furnace, which is a similar, ah, yes. like very well acted and like beautifully shot kind of movie. With just kind of like a lackluster story and script, and I think it got some attention because I think Christian Bale, if he didn't get nominated, he definitely got a lot of buzz. Is it like it's legitimately one of the best performances of his career? But it's just kind of a okay movie with great performances and great direction and like shots and stuff. But yeah, I I do feel like maybe with this movie. I might have blown it up a bit just because of its attachment of who was in it and stuff that if it was any other cast or any other director and this was the movie we got, I might not have been so big on it, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I kind of feel that too. Um, I don't, and it probably doesn't help that Jill and Hall is in this and Zodiac as like the, as an investigator, right? but yeah, it's it's I for some reason I'm just like satisfied with it, but then when I think about comparing it to the, some of the other great similar dramas of this nature in the last decade, I find it falling pretty far short. And yet I'm it's probably one of my favorite movies of 2013. And I just think that's an interesting contradiction. I was very surprised 
when I looked over the 250 that this was actually on the list. I think it's a very good movie. It definitely has its problems, but yeah, I didn't really think that the hype behind this movie, it definitely got like promoted a lot and it did pretty well, but I didn't think that the hype critically was that it was that acclaimed. Uh, well, I know exactly why it's on the IMDb Top 250. <laughs> it's a crime drama, and <laughs> it has fair. white people in it. That's fair. <laughs> so That's the recipe for success. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. As we've looked at our stats, that's pretty much it. Um, I don't know. I I think it's a, it's a really good movie. Like, I really liked it. And while I was watching it, I felt completely enthralled. But at, like, reflecting upon it and talking about it, it kind of ruins it yeah not well not ruins it i, I but know what you mean it it makes it seem a lot more lackluster yeah i definitely this was a movie that maybe i was i don't i want to say imagining but maybe that i uh felt like i liked it a lot more and that it was a lot better than i think i actually feel going back to it again because i had seen it pretty uh I, i'd seen like in the theater and then i saw enemy and then it was like within a couple of weeks that i saw the movie prisoners again on a a blu-ray or whatever so it was a kind of quick period and now that it's been a couple of years i don't think it necessarily stands up for me as well as it did before but it is a very interesting movie there's a lot here i think that like a lot of like tyler you were saying earlier a lot of subtle things that it's just a smart movie that has stupid qualities <laughs> i feel like if they had just taken some of the honestly kind of ridiculous runtime and used that like more to develop the smaller characters mm-hmm. or even just i don't know f- or even smooth- just cut it down yeah, yeah, yeah or cut it down or smooth out the script in some way like i feel like it's too it's too long probably by about 20 minutes and oh i would yeah at least maybe even yeah maybe even more than 20 minutes but it just I don't know. It gets almost exhausting mm-hmm. towards it, the end because there's just so many things that happen that really don't have anything to do with anything else. Yep. <laughs> I just saw The Hunger Games, which is like the exact same length pretty much. And while this is a much better movie than The Hunger Games, and while that was also a little long, it didn't drag as much. And I think it's because you, like, you can't make a two and a half hour movie that is this bleak and just like overbearingly depressing kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely too long. I will say, um, having seen Sicario, Sicario is definitely his best movie. Oh, you like it Um, more than Enemy? I do, although I need to revisit Enemy. Enemy is... Enemy is a fascinating movie. I could I do. Seen it. I really was hoping that was on the 250 because I could do yeah. a long podcast about that. <laughs> um, Incendies is on the 250, so we can okay. come back to Villeneuve at some point. Sicario is currently at an 8, but it doesn't nearly ha- have nearly enough ratings as of yet. Um, I will say I wouldn't be surprised if we see Villeneuve on the 250 a lot more because he fits the IMDb's um, preferred. Yeah. mold which is if blade runner his, comes out that's definitely gonna be on there yeah he, he he's not dissimilar to fincher in many ways one of which is i feel he's a very masculine director like most of his characters are men and it, not in not in it like as a disservice to women he's just a man who tackles men's stories a lot even if in sicario he had to fight for emily blunt to not be replaced by a man hmm. um yeah, that's interesting. I, I thought the... Yeah, I think the female characters in Enemy are a lot stronger than they are here. 
Um, and then mm. I heard a lot about how good Emily Blunt was in Sicario. But yeah, it it is kind of a male-dominated, kind of masculine, gritty kind of story. Uh, is Which another, isn't a bad thing. Yeah, no, again, no. this is kind of like what we talked about with Stand By Me last week. Like, I, It doesn't really bother me that the female characters don't really do a lot because there's not really a lot for them to do. Mm-hmm. And like in the story, it doesn't make sense to just like suddenly shoehorn in. Yeah. Like that kind of... Uh, like. If, if there was going to be a female character in this movie, she would have to be similar to Jake Gyllenhaal or Hugh Jackman, mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily the kind of female character that I would want to see anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, I could maybe see, like, a partner, like, a, another detective played by a female or something in this movie, but at that, that point, is... it wouldn't be developed as well as Gyllenhaal was. No, and... it would just be, like, it would literally just be inserted yep. for the sake of and having is her. Is it weird that he didn't have a partner, or is it because he's a te- detective no, he, he didn't have he, one? Well, yeah, he is a detective, but he had the... I was under the impression the guy that walked him into the interrogation room um, when Taylor was in there was his partner, because you also see him at the hospital when uh, Joan Hall was shot at the end. He's like he's, his, he's like a kind of shorter dude with red hair. He's in like two scenes. I don't remember his. Name. I just assumed he didn't really have a partner because he clearly didn't get along with anybody really. Right. Yeah. He's so maybe maybe he has a partner and he just like ignores him all the time. <laughs> they clearly that actually most ma- the police that probably makes more yeah. sense. <laughs> that actually makes it way funnier. <laughs> you just like imagine his partner tagline like, "Hey, I think I have an idea." Like, no, nope, cool. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> now. Back to my hunch. <laughs> I will say this clearly came out around that, like you could tell, it came out around the same time as M- Enemy and Nightcrawler because it yeah. is, it is Gyllenhaal in that Nightcrawler form, just as a more functional and decent human being. Man, I do. You guys like Nightcrawler? I still haven't seen it because I'm a terrible. I, I did really like. I I feel like I'm the only <laughs> person that I've spoken to about it. I fucking hate that movie. I can't remember the last time like leaving a movie feeling so like upset and annoyed <laughs> so what wh- how did you what did you think of Hall in that movie though a very good performance yeah i mean okay but that's the big divide for me is that like the movie is not great but Hall is incredible yeah, i feel yeah. it seemed almost like it i don't know the right word it almost seems like building up let that like hedonistic kind of lifestyle that he has in that to where it's like no apologies and like this is okay whatever <laughs> and i was like Fuck this. No, I really dislike that movie. I'm always so surprised. I feel like when we talk about all these movies that Hall has been killing it in lately, the amount of people that seem surprised that he's a good actor, I guess I don't understand. Has there ever been a perception of him as not a great actor? Because I've never I... seen him in a movie where he has not been one of the best parts of the movie. He killed it. Like, going back to Donnie Darko, October Sky, like, uh, Bubble Boy. Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> Brokeback Mountain. Like, dude's been killing it for ages. Yeah, I, and so that's why I'm always really confused. I see it's like, oh, it's like Jill and Hall finally peaking. I'm like, no, he's not, like, I think, he's been a great actor the whole time. I think it's more of him moving to, like, art house kind of style movies. And less. He has really interesting taste. Yeah. He does a lot of really, he, like, that is one of my favorite things as an actor, is just, like, doing interesting things mm-hmm. which definitely helps um i will say i was one of those people who didn't realize Hall was a great actor until around this time um I, like end of watch it was pretty good in but like prisoners enemy and nightcrawler were a big thing for me and that's because like most of the stuff i'd seen was like 
I I missed Brokeback Mountain, but I had seen Prince of Persia and yeah. things like that, and so I just I feel like and he, I had forgotten about Jarhead and Zodiac a little bit. Like I just seen him so long ago that I'd kind of forgotten about how good he was in those. I feel like he's a slightly less out there James Franco, to where they're both doing like incredible movies that like maybe don't have very good buzz and that they've been like steady acting and really good stuff for a long time. But they have this kind of public perception of being like blockbuster attached people that do, you know, I mean, that aren't that well known as being very good actors. But then when Which you kind of dig like below said, a little bit. I feel like his paycheck choices might have, yep. for some reason, unfairly hurt him a little more than they would other actors. I don't understand. I'm looking through his filmography right now, and here the, I see I think people probably tomorrow, like Love and Other Drugs. Yeah. Love and Other Drugs. Yo, that's a great that's movie. It? For like a rock yeah. not, not that the, not that that's a bad movie, but I just think it was probably the collect the, that collection of movies. Yeah. Like for some reason, those are the types of people. Uh, those were the types of movies. Yeah. people kind of attached him to. And he was attached to like all the Spider-Man like kind of superhero movies of the early two thousands and stuff like that. So I kind of get that. And then. It seemed like for a while he was doing like all the David Ayers type movies like End of Watch and stuff like that. Which was better than I expected, but still is not yeah. like anything oh, super great. <laughs> shit, I forgot he was in Source Code. I really like that movie too. I, I try. Oh my god. Let me allow me to tell you guys a quick story <laughs> about the time I tried to watch Source Code. Oh no. <laughs> I was 18 or 19 years old. <laughs> And I was drunk for maybe, like, the second or third time in my life. <laughs> and I was trying to watch – my friend Kyle was visiting from New Jersey, and we were trying to watch it. And I was so drunk that I literally could not understand what was happening. So I just kept screaming over and over again that the gay cowboy was getting blown up on the train. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Which is false, because Jake Gyllenhaal's character in Brookback Mountain is obviously bisexual. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, so you can just picture teenage me confusedly just like, why does he keep blowing up on the train? I don't understand. Yeah. So maybe someday I will revisit that movie and try to watch it, but I kind of enjoy that fond memory that I have associated with another, it. Another oh, and then I fell asleep halfway through. I thought you were going to say that you kept restarting it over and over again, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's very fitting. No. <laughs> I just checked. I'm surprised Brokeback's not on the list, but it's probably, probably too gay wait, for really? the IMDb what is audience. It, what is its rating? It's at 7.7, but there's probably enough people that gave it like bad ratings just because yeah. they're... I think that's probably the stupid. same with Enemy. Like That has a 6.8, and it probably... I would imagine a lot of it is like, the ending's fucking stupid. This is dumb. And I'm going to give yeah. it like a 3. <laughs> um, I mean, that's kind of the nature of um, any amalgated list yeah. or like list put together by a collection of ratings is that... If your movie is more daring, it's more likely to piss some people off, yep. rightly or wrongly so, and that's going to cause it to suffer in the ratings department. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is so. funny why Inception is on there. <laughs> well, like that's why if you look at the movies we've done for bonus episodes, like we did The Guest, we did The Blair Witch Project, those all those have like solid middle six ratings, and I would say that both of those movies are better than a middle six horror, rating. Well, I mean, oh, horror sure. movies especially suffer, especially on IMDb um, like I feel like most John Carpenter movies should be on the list, and there are like two, which is preposterous. But I will have plenty of time to rant and rave about how great John Carpenter is in the future. <laughs> Someday. But yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't know if I, I mean, don't know how much do, more I have left about this uh, about prisoners. I was gonna say. 
I think pretty we pretty much, much yeah. covered it. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, I think as good of a movie as it is, it's pretty simple. There, there isn't like a ton of layers to uncover. Or anything. It's another one of those weird movies that's like, oh, this is on the top two fifty, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's more interesting than some of those movies, but. That's. I feel like there's so much interest. Like there's so much interesting stuff about this movie, even though there isn't a lot to this movie. It's really weird. It's really one that, yeah, kind of like Kayla, you were saying. It's definitely a movie that I would recommend anyone to see, but it's just tough to talk about because they're. It's pretty like cut and dry. There's. It's not a lot of gray area. So I feel like it's a good crossover movie. Like you know when you have to recommend movies to relatives or to people who don't really have like a refined film taste Mm -hmm. it's a good one that like people who consider themselves film buffs would have enough to be interested in it whereas like if you just wanted to watch it like with your uncle or something who doesn't really care for most movies he'd probably like it too because it's just like a a two and a half hour long episode of law and order svu (laughs) yep (laughs) you would never turn someone on to villeneuve with enemy you would start with prisoners or sicario and work your way like it has that kind of pop crossover (laughs) yep Actually, this is probably the best place to start, and then maybe Sicario. Enemy, Enemy is just a hard one to recommend to anyone oh, because yeah. they will just be immediate. Right. Like so many people will just be immediately. Let out me on let it. me pitch you Enemy. All right, are you ready? <laughs> so right. there are spiders that are the, as tall as buildings that walk across the Toronto skyline, and then Jake Gyllenhaal plays two people that are possibly brothers, and hilarity ensues. <laughs> isn't there i feel like I, I remember reading the trivia on that movie isn't oh, there like man. wasn't the whole cast and crew bound to secrecy yep. about what the spiders are supposed to be yep which just makes me want to know more even if i haven't even seen the movie it's, it. it's funny because it's, it's actually this is kind of cutting into what my my recommendation was going to be since i was going to talk about enemy but <laughs> we'll just go into recommendations okay. right now <laughs> yeah patrick please tell us about enemy the movie that you are recommending right, well, for i know i haven't talked about this movie at all and it's kind of funny since it's directed by the same guy you would have thought i would have brought it up but uh i'm talking about enemy <laughs> and uh yeah it's it came out actually um after prisoners but it was shot I think long before and Jake Hall was actually cast in prisoners because of it. But, um, it, it's about essentially an identity kind of swapping, um, to where Jake Hall plays two characters. One is kind of, I think I haven't seen it in a while. I think he's a professor and he is kind of a little bit crazy it seems at the beginning and a little bit eccentric and then there is the other Jake Channel Hall who I believe is an actor that is mm-hmm. more of like a kind of smooth kind of guy and everything and the professor follows the actor around because he sees him and is like that's me like what is this blah 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 and follows him around and then they eventually see each other and it's kind of an interesting swap to where at that point the actor kind of unravels and the professor who is a little eccentric is the one that's trying to kind of keep everything together. It's a very good movie. Um, the ending is one of the most like, just like awestruck and weird. What the hell did I just see endings I've ever seen in a movie? And you almost have to rewatch it the moment you finish it, which Villeneuve is just—he's just going to be one of those directors, is one of those directors, and will continue to be one of those where you feel you need to rewatch the whole thing. Yeah, not because of a, not always because of a twist, but just because there's 
a lot happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Jake Gyllenhaal is great in it. Um, Melanie Laurent um, from Beginners and uh, uh, Inglorious Bastards is in it. Also, she plays one of the girlfriends of one of the two Gyllenhaals, and then Sarah is it Gadan or um, maybe that's it. I don't know. She's uh, she's in a bunch sure. of uh, David um, Cronenberg movies, but. Uh, she plays the the wife of another one of the characters and yeah it's very well acted very interesting movie that if com- the complete opposite of prisoners to where there isn't a lot to discuss there is so much to discuss about enemy there's a lot of kind of under layers kind of unpacking stuff to do with that it's a very good movie it's definitely like a psychological thriller type uh highly recommend it and there are terrifying spiders. Yes. So, like, really, it has a little bit of everything. It does. Um, for my recommendation, I'm going to cheat. I'm just going to cut in now instead of a usual order. Uh, just because my recommendation is just Jake Gyllenhaal, <laughs> as we've talked about. I just... Because I, I, I was looking, I'm like, you know, I, like, a number of Jake Gyllenhaal's big movies are, like, recommending Zodiac. Like, oh, really? Zodiac's good? What a shock. <laughs> but... I feel like it'd be beneficial to revisit some of the Hall movies that aren't considered, like, very obviously great movies or, like, great performances, like Nightcrawler. Like, Source Code is a movie that was considered a little, under, like, underrated at the time. Prince of Persia is honestly, for as preposterous and whitewashed as that movie is, <laughs> it's not terrible, weirdly. And like Brothers, not another like flawed movie, movie that Joan Hall's Brothers, really yeah, Brothers is a great movie. It just yeah. again suffered from a miss, like a bad advertising yeah. campaign. Yeah, so like I guess reconsidering Joan Hall, if you were like me a couple years ago, one of those people who just didn't realize that he's been a great actor for a long time. Um, also, if you haven't seen Brokeback Mountain, like y'all need to just yeah. watch Brokeback Mountain and have yeah. all of the feelings. Okay, so, like Hall is my recommendation. <laughs> Also, Maggie Gyllenhaal, just because she's related to him and also makes a bunch of interesting choices. <laughs> just like, you know, just Gyllenhaal's. Just Gyllenhaal. Maggie Gyllenhaal's father is even crazier. The father, Stephen Gyllenhaal, good director. And maybe look into some of his stuff. <laughs> I, honestly, that could be real. I don't that, know. He is a director. Uh, oh. I, I don't think I've seen any of his stuff, but I do, I do know he is a director. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Hall's troubled. It's like, Kayla... What is your recommendation, though? Uh, my recommendation, which we talked about on the podcast before, but I am now actually recommending that Officially. you watch it, is the David Fincher version of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. We kind of touched on how both of those directors have similar vibes or similar um, aesthetics that they go for. And I feel like Fincher kind of carries off a ridiculous runtime and a super mystery with lots of twists and turns like a lot better than this movie yeah (laughs) in a way so uh i would say wait for it to snow and feel the desolation of winter overcome you and then watch (laughs) the girl with the dragon tattoo that is my (laughs) annual tradition and it should be yours as well i think i will say fincher is not uh not a it's a fairly reasonable uh not end point for villeneuve but like a like that's the kind of level I'd like to see Villeneuve reach with more of his movies. Yeah. 
and there's just enough there are enough similarities there that i think they will parallel each other pretty well i could see him getting there i mean we're still pretty early on in villanue's career in fincher i mean fincher was hardly like right out the bat like killing it. alien (laughs) resurrection oh my god i have to cut in for a second Stephen Gyllenhaal apparently mostly does TV series and Lifetime movies. Hell yeah. (laughs) He did An Amish Murder. Paychecks. uh, Girl Fight. Shout out out (laughs) to An Amish Murder. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just looking at this and this is so ridiculous. Otherwise he just does a couple episodes of every TV series ever. I I was on his IMDB and, or sorry, his Wikipedia and his mother is famous too. Uh, Naomi Foner, what does she do? Uh, she's a screenwriter, so yeah, he kind of comes uh, okay. from a film family. Mm-hmm. Uh, Losing Isaiah, I think this is the one where Halle Berry puts her baby in the okay. trash Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, move on to trivia, and I actually want to lead off trivia because... What the hell? <laughs> I'm just kidding, go ahead. I have a, mine is also Prisoners related, so I don't know if, it, if either of you came across this, but originally this movie was going to be directed by Brian Singer, starring Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale. Yeah, there's been a couple That's of most... different, because uh, Anthony Fuqua, um, was a, yeah. is his first name Anthony? I'm going to feel bad if it wasn't. Antoine Fuqua. Ant- sorry. Uh, yeah, he was attached to okay. it at some point, too, I think with Leo, maybe? Yeah, yeah, good old Leo, always looking but, for that Oscar grab. I just, the way, the, it was, the... Big setup with uh, Singer Wahlberg and Bale. Like, that is a much different movie. Oh, I could see Bale doing the the Jackman part probably better, but I think the subtleties Wahlberg? that we talked about would be completely gone. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, like, I don't know that it would be a tremendously worse movie, but it'd be a vastly different movie. Yeah. It would be just like it would be just another movie. Honestly, there wouldn't be anything special. It, about I mean, it. I don't think yeah. it would be on the list. Like, I doubt we would even be talking oh, no. about it. It wouldn't be the usual suspects, Brian Singer's movie that's actually on the list, but... Oh, well, I like what we got. Kayla? Ah, yes. So, uh, my trivia for the week is kind of boring, because, again, this is one of those movies where most of the trivia was stuff that we would just cover normally talking, so I'm just going to let you know that the name Holly Jones, which is the name of the crazy aunt, who is the villain in the end, um, is the name of a little girl that was kidnapped and murdered in 2003. And that's just one of a couple of different names that they just kind of toss in there as references. Like Alex Jones is obviously a crazy tinfoil hat dude. Loki. The screenwriter's name pops up as the uh, writer of a number of newspaper articles. Yeah, so it's just one of those like fun <clears throat> Easter egg things. Yeah, um, and then Loki is the... I mean... Obviously, kind of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then... So for my trivia, um, all that I had, well, I kind of mentioned that Enemy was, even though it came out after this movie was made before, and that the kind of experience that Joan Holland um, Denise uh, had working together was what led to them doing this movie together. But then also, as much as we talked about for how long this movie is and how much um, could have been cut out, it was even longer with the original cut. It was NC-17 also because there was a bunch more torture in it and there were scenes suggesting that um, pedophilia might have been in play and all that got cut to lower it to an R rating. 
So. Which is fine. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. I can do without some that. <laughs> you just don't need. I got enough of the kind of depressing, terrible things happening. Yeah, I got the just. It good. was it was bleak enough, yeah. We didn't And also those torture scenes were brutal. Holy shit. The the scene like when Viola Davis walks into the bathroom and takes and the pull- like Oh my god. Uh I, I don't even know what that like just wrapping off of his head and it's like a basketball. That was insane. I physically recoiled yep. from the side of his face. <laughs> oh, and then interesting. I guess it's kind of trivia to um, the scene with the hammer. Um, I guess they had shot it a couple of times and um, Hugh Jackman was told he wasn't ferocious enough. And that led to him like breaking the sink off with the hammer. And they kept that in the final cut of the movie. I think you can kind of tell that that wasn't really planned just by the way Terrence Howard looks yeah. at the end of that. Like when he walks away, yeah. his face is honestly priceless. So my stat of the week this week is a pretty simple one. Uh, Hugh Jackman is in two movies in the IMDb 250. Uh, obviously this one and the Prestige oh, is... Yeah, yeah the, and we've already, so we've already taken out all of the Hugh Jackman move, uh, leads that are in the 250. But sorry, Hugh, we just, just got to get you out of the way so we can move on <laughs> to other things. But uh, the, the fun part about that really. is... Who needs him? <laughs> the, ah, Hugh, whatever, Wolverine. <laughs> um, actually, I didn't even mention that. He was in between an X-Men and a Wolverine move for this movie, so they had to cover him up with all of the clothing. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah, but uh, the fun thing about the Prestige is that he's the co-lead with Christian Bale, who he replaced in this movie. <laughs> I actually really want to see that movie, like Christian Bale in the like torture kind of scene, just freaking the fuck out at Paul Dano. Oh my god, he's good at that. Yeah. He's very good at being angry. Oh, but you said Mark Wahlberg was the detective. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure uh, Bale would have been Jackman and Wahlberg would have been yeah. the de- detective. That would have been interesting. It wouldn't have made much sense no. in the other way around. <laughs> uh, I will say, um, the Knight of Cups trailer just dropped. Holy the new, shit! The, That's my movie of yeah. the year. Have you seen the, it? No, what? the two minute trailer is my movie of the year. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. That, it's uh, it's pretty intense. I'm looking forward to seeing that whenever it comes out. If, yeah, because there's another one. That is Terrence Malick with Christian Bale that's going to come out after, right? The South by Southwest one yeah. that has like four of our favorite actors in it that's Portman just never going to ever Michael happen. Michael Fassbender. No, no, that Night of Cups is happening. Untitled Terrence Malick Project yes. haunts me, yeah. yep. as we've said before. Untitled <laughs> Terrence Malick Project haunts us. But <laughs> New tagline. I believe that is everything we have for this week. Kayla? <laughs> Us out. Ah, yes. Uh, do it, Patrick, thank you very much for joining thank us. Thank you guys it a lot for having me. It was a pleasure to have you. Um, like I said, like Tyler said before, we'll put links to Sorry Internet in there. I'm sorry that I called Thomas the worst person alive earlier. That's not really true. Uh, it's, he's <laughs> um, in the running. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag go fuck yourself, Thomas Nassen. Oh, <laughs> Always down for a good that hashtag. Was, that was the highlight go of my yourself. social media presence. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh... We have been Let the Right Films In. If you're trying to get a hold of us and talk to us for some reason, you can email us. Uh, the email is ltrfipod at gmail.com. A more fun and interactive way to get a hold of us and to watch Tyler and I try to wrestle over how we feel about Chris Evans <laughs> on a single shared account. You can tweet at us uh, also at ltrfipod. We have a Facebook <laughs> We have a Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash let the right films in. You can go over there and click that nice little like button and you will receive updates as to when we post things, uh, show notes, etc. 
the better place for show notes, though, is our Tumblr, which is lettherightfilmsin.tumblr.com, which also features, like, film posters and GIFs and, I don't know, just fun stuff we find related to the movies that we talk about. So, yeah. I wonder... Thank you guys for joining us. I wonder, oh, sorry, I wonder if this movie has any of those cool posters. I highly doubt it. <laughs> Probably. You'd I mean, be surprised. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of a Tumblr fave. I feel like the only poster I ever saw was, like, the one of Hugh Jackman, like, staring. <laughs> that too yeah yeah but yeah so thank you guys very much for listening this week we will see you next week do we know what movie we're doing next week uh we are doing a uh, we're doing network with a brand new guest ah yes okay cool so yes we will see you next week with that movie that i don't know if i've ever heard of so yeah sweet all right (laughs) bye Yeah, no, I tried to boot up Netflix on your Chromebook, but it wouldn't let me into your account, and I couldn't remember the password. <laughs> so I had to browse as a guest, and since it was browsed as a guest, I couldn't log in. And so I tried to log into like our old Netflix. I don't know if the password changed or what, no. but I couldn't get into it. Oh my so gosh. yeah, I just read a very long story. Uh, so. <laughs>